This week's podcast brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, the leader in wetlands conservation going all the way back to 1937. Think about that. That's a lot of history of conserving waterfowl habitat and the uh, ducks and geese that we all are so passionate about. Uh, I'm a proud member and I also serve on the Dallas DU committee. Uh, I encourage you to get plugged in with your local Ducks Unlimited chapter uh, and, and join this great group of folks who are passionate about duck hunting and waterfowl conservation. For more info, head over to ducks.org. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists. Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. I remember it well. I was riding high when I drove you to the lake that starry night. Took a little detour through an open field. Our first taste of how freedom feels in an 8774 by singing. Ooh, baby, it'll make them like that. Good morning, good morning, good morning. A little Zane Williams, 87, Chevy 4x4, kicking things off for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. Hopefully you've got big plans to get into the great outdoors this weekend, uh, whether that is crappie fishing, uh, maybe you're you're on the post-spawn largemouth bite, or maybe your state is uh, just firing up for spring turkey season. Texas just finished last weekend. I went out and uh, saw a ton of wildlife, so that's always cool, but only one hen. The toms just, uh, they were done. They weren't talking, never heard a gobble, uh, but even though I only shot one turkey this spring, it was the best turkey season I've ever had because I got to watch my son smoke his first long beard. Got to spend time with both of the girls in the turkey woods. And uh, those memories are going to be what I think of when I look back on the spring turkey season. So best one yet uh, for a father. Anyway, um, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. It's going to be a good one. I'm pumped. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee. Not a granddad's beat up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And joining us for the duration, a longtime friend of the show. And when it comes to international hunting experience, especially when it comes to dangerous game, uh, there are few who have done it more than our pal Corey Knowlton. So Corey will be here in studio, and we have got a long list of stuff to take on from favorite uh, dangerous game calibers to... That OS moment where Corey actually thought he was about to get eaten in the uh, African bush, which that actually happened fairly recently. 
so that one's fresh on his mind. Then we'll break out the big guns. Talk uh, 400, 500, 600 calibers. And how Corey's shoulder hasn't been shattered into a, a million pieces as much as he shot those things. There's got to be a trick to it. Uh, and, and, and the ways that rifles and arrows actually kill an animal. There's three different ways I think we'll get into. Uh, I think that will be fairly interesting as well. Um, social media, maybe get his take on the Matt Ranella interview, trophy hunting, and historically how it's changed from the time Corey started out hunting internationally prior to social media, of course. We'll talk modern day colonialism as far as first world countries like ours trying to dictate to the third world how to manage their wildlife. It's insane when you think about it. Uh, pisses me off, and I know it frustrates Corey as well. We'll talk import bans and who knows what else, uh, but it's going to be a great show. It always is when Corey drops by. Uh, so that's what's on the docket for today. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you guys are as well. And if you don't, you know, if you don't hunt internationally or don't have any desire to, I think you'll find these topics and the discussion interesting. Uh, certainly, there'll be nostalgic components to it. Uh, why do people shoot a 600 Nitro Express? Um, I don't know. I've never shot one. Corey swears by it. <laughs> How many how many elephant hunts has Corey been on? I don't know. He might not even want to say. Um, but yeah, so much to get into today. And before we kick it all off, let's do a quick giveaway here. How about uh, how about a stealth cam? Yeah, let's do the reactor cellular camera. Uh, data plan's only five bucks. You get the camera for free if you win today's giveaway. Um, sends images right to the stealth cam app on your phone. It's so easy. I'm actually embarrassed to admit how many of these I have deployed in uh, in the field across various properties. Uh, but yeah, I don't even want to admit that. It's a lot. And it's because I love them. And I love seeing the, the photos pop up on the phone. The kids love checking them too. So uh, to throw your hat in the ring for the reactor cellular camera giveaway, just email the word, let's do Rhino. That's Rhino to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's Stealth Cam giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, Corey Knowlton joins us in studio on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. After one long siesta, I came wide awake in the night. Land is the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over a hundred years. They'll do the same for you. If you're ready to take that next step and make the dream of owning your own land reality, then head over to LoneStarAgCredit.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Armasite. If you're looking to light up the night, whether that's with thermal or night vision, then you need to head over to armorsite.com. That's where you can find all of the thermal and night vision monoculars, uh, thermal weapon sights, and, of course, night vision nods. Yeah, those cool-looking helmets, the one that I have. Yeah, buddy. You can find them over at armorsite.com. They've got it all right there. And even better than that, they've got some new stuff coming down the pike, like the 640 contractor. I've got the 320, 640, even better. You can find it all at armorsite.com. Well, I love to play my guitar, like to sing our songs. 
My buddies come over and we drink all night long. I listen to Bob Wheels on the radio. Got the beer in the ice chest ready to go. Hill Country Affair, the name of that one from our old friend Brandon Keys, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you, and we've got the godfather of the 6-5 Creedmoor Nation joining us here momentarily. Uh, Corey Knowlton is in studio, uh, but before we get into that conversation, this segment is brought to you by... Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot Rifle Lineup. Hey, you want a 6.5 Creedmoor? They got that. You want a 6.5 PRC? They've got that. Actually, everything from a 22 250 all the way up to a 375 Ruger for dangerous game. Corey might say that's too light. I don't know. Shot my buffalo with it. Maybe we'll talk about that. But you can find the entire Patriot lineup right there at Mossberg.com. And with that being said, let's bring him on right now. A professional hunter, former outdoor television show host, world traveler, and our good friend, Corey Knowlton. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for making the, the trek over to my part of the world. Uh, first thing is, you're going to have to move a little bit, but uh, I got you a gift, and it's in, it's in that box. Hold on, I want to record this, though, because it's very important stuff here. My Lord, it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. It's a gift. Okay. I got it. It's expensive, usually. I got it just for you. Not only are they 6.5 Creedmoor rounds, they're probably about the lowest, weakest loaded 6.5 Creedmoor rounds with the the equivalent of shooting them with a field tip. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of them in there. Look, I mean, that's fabulous. I didn't skimp. I got you like uh, 400 rounds of Creedmoor ammo. It's called tactical ammunition, and in essence, that. If all the cops want to get a shot in on somebody before they kill them, uh-huh. you know, they can shoot at least each get a box in it before <laughs> the guy bleeds to death. <laughs> well, just, just wanted you to know I've been thinking about You're you. Nice guy. Yeah. I think this is up there with like getting a bottle brush, except the bottle brush has a use. You're welcome. No, and nothing will be harmed. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing will be hard. Well, hey, dude, all I can say is thank you. There's no such thing as a bad gift yeah. other than herpes, <laughs> <laughs> which I might, I might rather have than that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, one thing I have to ask is, have you killed a have you killed a whitetail since you killed that giant one with a crossbow and rock ball? Yeah, plenty. Okay. I don't ever see you posting any whitetail photos. It's like you. Well, there's enough people out there posting those. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. It's, it's a flooded, very saturated market. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that was, how, how many years ago was that? Probably 10. Yeah, I think Nine. so. I think that was the first time I ever had you on the show was to but talk about that. You deal. know, we did kill another great big one I've never posted. Out there? Actually, in, in yeah, in Rockwall County, but mm. closer to town. Okay. And it was real big. Same same size, just totally different. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can get permission for you to post it since it's been so long. Yeah, ten but years. It's like a one eighty. We're getting old though. It's, uh, yes. So um, you saw the Ohio Walleye Tournament cheaters? They got busted mm-hmm. for stuffing lead weights in their fish. They got sentenced last week. Certainly changed the way I'll be cheating in ter- tournaments to come. Yeah, yeah well, me too. Of course, uh, guilty of felony cheating and attempted grand theft. 
10 days in jail, $2,500 fines for both of those morons. They lost the $125,000 boat that they were fishing in when they won the tournament, which was probably a prize from a previous tournament they cheated in. Uh, they lost their fishing license for three years, which apparently in Ohio is the max you can lose it for. And um, they had won nine of 19 tournaments, though. They were in a stretch of... Winning. So they were good at cheating. Yes. And the next best team in that, in that same time frame had only won two. But I ask you all this because, dude, the comment section, when I posted that they'd been sentenced... I'd say a third of the people were like, that's too harsh. All they did was cheat in a fishing tournament. Why don't you clarify or, or, or inform me here on this? The amount of money that they attempted to cheat was X. What was it? In that tournament, first place was $30,000. Okay. If you and I go to anywhere and attempt to steal $30,000, what's the fine? Uh, felony. Okay. And <laughs> are we seeing more than 10 days in jail? Yeah, probably so. Then why are they not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but why are people defending? Like, there's like people that call themselves sportsmen who are like, y'all are just a bunch of liberal morons. Like these people, they shouldn't have lost their Second Amendment right to own firearms because now they're convicted felons. They, the fact of what, how they were doing the cheating. So, so hold on. If I go cheat like a Jerry's kid or special Olympics is the fact that that's something that is good for everybody. Do I only get two days for that instead mm. of if I go rob a bank? I think you're going to get the same either way. That's it, it should be. So I think just all those people who are upset, tell me what you would feel if it was your $30,000 they were stealing or the second place team that they were trying either to either way, from. either way. Yeah. yeah. It's all the same, right? Yeah. If you're, you put yourself in that position, what would you like it to to happen to you? It wasn't like they just went out and and I understand this and I would agree that if they took, even though it is theft, far smaller, but if they went out and they caught 20 walleye over their limit, okay, that is theft. Mm -hmm. But I understand them not losing their freaking second minimum rights for that. Agree. But if you're going to steal $30,000 from your fellow American, that's why we have laws. I mean, it'd be the same thing if you went and stole the truck that was sitting in my driveway. Like, I don't think anybody's stealing that, though, dude. You wouldn't be so lucky. What are you talking about? I just upgraded. You know that stupid Chevy I had cost me $11,000 to keep on the road in the last 18 months? Uh, I, 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 yeah, and you probably had the same wave to the other Chevy people. It's like, a, it's like you're shaking it like we know each other's pain. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they are nice and they ride smooth for a while. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm not bashing your truck. It just needs some new tires on it. Well, like I told you, those just came with the deal. i you know, I'm going to uh Africa this next week. Maybe the wife will uh go ahead and take it up there and get me some new tires. The chances would be higher of me doing it for you than that. Probably so. Probably so. But she's gonna be real excited. I'm gonna come home for three days after Africa and then get on a plane and go to Vancouver Island to go black bear hunting. I can see you take up a lot of space here. Yeah, she's probably happy to see you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it's absurd that these guys are, and some girls like complaining, like, "Oh, that was too harsh." Like, I, to me, it should have been harsher. The video is really rough, and it almost was bordering bordering on a mob scene. Remember how they were screaming, don't touch them? Yeah. Don't touch them? Yeah. They were saying that because there was people who were there who wanted to touch them. Right. 100%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so 
to those who feel like that isn't a just punishment, I think it's almost perfectly just. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it's it, it's a very kind of harsh slap on the wrist because they are losing their right tone of firearm. They are seeing some jail time, and they are getting fined. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think it's the minimum of what should happen. Should they have gone to jail? What, whatever the hell somebody is supposed to go to jail for for stealing thirty thousand bucks, that's what they should have got. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, what do they do to per- poachers and thieves in third world countries that you've seen? I've seen death to poachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, death. I've seen it. Uh-huh. So you know, yeah. Um, I think our old friend Tim McCreary was in. Burkina Faso and saw like a, I think it might've been a tracker just get shot by a poacher right in front of him and ended up dying. That's true. I don't know if they hunted the poacher down or not, but I don't know. It's a long time ago. You're talking about us being old, but yes, Mm -hmm. but yes, I would say, what do they do most of the time? If it's just a, uh, now we're, 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 did these guys steal any of the fish they caught? I don't know. I mean, if they had their limit, then I don't think they stole. Them. Yeah. So they, then they're not necessarily poachers; they're just thieves, right? But you're but you're wanting to know the. So you're not necessarily. I'm just saying. To, I'm saying like, you're, you're we, we have a pretty light justice system, all things considered, <laughs> in this country compared to what they do to. Yeah, it's based in people of that till pro, pro, proven guilty. Yeah. But if you and I were in Zimbabwe and we got whatever the charge for stealing thirty thousand, it's guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. It is. It's not the same. They can say whatever it is, but it isn't. Talk about, but do talk about poachers though in yeah. Africa what, specifically. What okay. Like just how they deal with them. It's a, isn't it just a shoot on sight? Like no, uh, I mean no. If it's armed and you're feeling a threat for your safety, mm-hmm. okay. The person in the vehicle, generally, if you're talking about wilderness hunting, I'm not talking about ranch hunting in mm-hmm. South Africa where you're likely never going to run into that right okay but if you're talking about w- true wilderness hunting wilderness areas you're going to have a scout in the car and that person's going to be armed with a ak-47 and if they feel threatened for their life they're going to shoot at them and possibly depending on what the level of threat is you you may be involved in that mm. so if if you and I don't want to get into too much of it personally, but the, if you feel threatened anywhere, I, I think you have a right to defend yourself. Right. If you are, I mean, or if you are threatened, hell with it, if you feel threatened. But generally what you would do is, is apprehend them if you can. And then they're going to, you're going to bring them back to your camp. They're going to stay apprehended. They're going to get, interrogated there to find out where they came from, where their buddies are at, so on and so forth. And if that leads to another bigger operation than it does, uh, the most severe ones are, you know, it's black rhino and ivory. Those are the guys who are the, obviously the most serious black rhino far more than even ivory. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you would ever want to run into somebody who was rhino poaching because they know the penalty for it and they're going to not just give up. Mm-hmm. And all of that goes back to, I don't know if it's all China, but Asian black markets. Yeah. I would say that that's the, that is the, 
They're going to grind user. up some rhino horn and I make mean, look at the end user. Pecker hard. Yeah, who's, no, it's not, no, it's not that it's like different Cancer? ailments. I think, he, uh, no, yeah, it's like stomach ailments. The Vietnamese, it's for stuff like that. It's well, just I've that, read that they think it's an aphrodisiac or can make your I don't know that that's necessarily, uh, I think. Get a little you know, bigger. What? I, I don't think that that's what it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think okay. it does any of okay. it. Okay, <laughs> okay, but but I, I would say the the safest way to 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 um, categorize it would be Eastern medicine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, if you ever spent time hunting in Asia, which I've spent a lot of time hunting in Asia, you can get into these conversations and find out. I mean, like in Mongolia, they all believe the wolf. Is that's the if you're a hunter in Mongolia, which there are plenty, like your prowess as a hunter is attached to how many wolves you killed, uh-huh. and it's different for them. I'd be low on the totem pole because I yeah. only killed. Well, one. you know how difficult it is. Yeah. Okay, so you've done done it. I've done it too. It's not easy, and so there's guys who killed hundreds and hundreds of wolves, and they're basically rural heroes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they would say, if you have an eye problem, eat wolf eye. Hmm. If they have a, if you have a freaking stomach problem, eat wolf stomach. It, it's yeah. that direct. Interesting. So, but that's the truth. Huh. Um, so I would say, you know, that may be the most simplistic form of it, right? You're not going to have a horn problem and eat rhino horn, right? Okay. Yeah. Unless. You're one of our former first ladies from the <laughs> late 90s. <laughs> you might have more problem. Um, so you've witnessed the good, the bad, mostly just the bad and the ugly part of uh, that seedy yeah, it, it was, black market. Well, well I, I, look, I, I haven't gone out and caught some giant poaching ring. Mm-hmm. But, but you've spent enough time over there. I've spent enough time, and I've understand it, and I've funded efforts mm-hmm. to combat it. Yeah. So what I'm telling you is accurate. Well, it's not the same, like you said, ranch hunting in South Africa. But I, when I darted the rhino, uh, I was real. Mm, I had reservations about: Are we exploiting this animal? Uh, first of all, like how many times are they really darting it every year? Mm-hmm. Blah blah. But then this, the place had another species on what, what, the place where I darted it. Okay. And he was like, please don't put that species and the rhino on your social media because people know that there's not a lot of places that have both and they'll come here and they'll try to poach the rhinos. Sure. So I was like, well, you know, if it's really funding anti-poaching, even in, on private land in South Africa, then, you know, I, I chalked it up as a, a good experience that was beneficial. Um, I don't they, know. They've regulated the rhino darting thing heavy. Yeah. Now it's a vitamin dart in yeah. the, in the, in the, the um, helicopter shoots them. With yeah. The, whatever you shoot yeah. them and the, in the, in the, in the vet goes and darts them and takes a sample. Yeah. So I think that whole overuse thing is, has been, regulated to mm. down to where well we have to get a vet out here we have to do a b and c and d and e and it's just not as easy well even carl though my ph uh the property he had prior to the one he has now he lost he had five rhinos poached in one night and he was like there's no 
there's no restitution. There's nothing. It's like someone just stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from me and there's nothing I can do about it. So he doesn't even mess with them anymore. South Africa, unfortunately, has is becoming more and more bleak. Mm. And it is a wonderful place to hunt. I would encourage people to go hunting there. I've hunted there a lot in my life. And I have a lot of friends that live there. But the political situation since the 90s and what a hunting experience there. The hunting experiences there is, is probably maybe better today, but the average experience for the people living there, I think it would be worse. Mm-hmm. All of them would say so. So it's, it's a very difficult situation there. Yeah. Um, well, I'm headed back this weekend for my sixth trip and uh, just doing some different stuff. going to do blue diker with dogs and a shotgun. Um Gonna take my bow, try to get a water buck. I've already shot so much of the stuff on the Eastern Cape. That's why the uh, places that you tend to gravitate towards starting to become a little more attractive, attractive yeah. but also a lot more expensive. So yeah, well, it's just it, I think I think you have to go out there and you say I have X budget for it or whatever mm-hmm. that budget is, and 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 explore because most of all those countries you can do some sort of hunting in them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do hunting in Botswana that's probably equally as inexpensive or possibly even less in certain ways. Um, uh, and you can, you can do stuff, you know, whatever, call it seven, 10 day hunts in almost every country. And it's somewhat, somewhat affordable, comparable to South Africa. The thing about South Africa is generally you don't have charters. Generally you can drive everywhere. Mm-hmm. They have a, a good airport system. You go good somewhere. Infrastructure. Yeah. Infrastructure to handle it. If you're if you go to Western Tanzania, there is no infrastructure out there. There's only one way to get out there, and it's a freaking eight thousand dollar charter each mm-hmm. way. Oh yeah, I had uh, Sue Tidwell. She wrote that book right there, Cries of the Savannah. They went to Tanzania, which was her and her husband. That's what the whole book is based off of. And they went once, or they went a lot. No, they went once. It was like a once in a lifetime trip. But he didn't want to go to South Africa. He wanted to go to like dark, remote, sure. less explored. Where did they go in Tanzania? Oh, I don't remember, but the, they flew into the main airport or whatever, and then she said it was like a 14-hour drive to the camp, to the middle of nowhere, where they the poaching was so bad that they tear the camp down every year and then rebuild it so that the poachers can't use it. To explain, it, most likely, they would have flown to Dar. Dar, okay. Okay, Dar es Salaam. In Dar, to give your listeners an idea... If you can think about the worst traffic that you've ever seen in America mm-hmm. and multiply that to a degree that's unimaginable, that would be driving to one side of Dar to the other. So to say 14 hours, it could take you four and a half hours to get out of town. Mm-hmm. And, and it ain't, it's just right there. <laughs> you see it. Okay. It's like, that's where I'm going. Yeah. So infrastructure in these other countries is the limiting factor. Yeah. Imagine again, imagine if you live in a suburb, it's probably not hard to think about or imagine how you have like, oh, well, we've outgrown this road and this intersection takes forever. Yeah. Okay. Well, they outgrew it in 19 freaking 84 mm-hmm. and they've done nothing since then. And the population was probably a third of what it is now. Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty typical in a lot of third world countries is the infrastructure never keeps up with the surging population. But uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, let's talk double barrels, the big guns that come out 
then you start talking about hunting dangerous game. Which one's your favorite and why? And uh, are some better than others depending on the circumstances? That segment, by the way, brought to you by Stealth Cam and my friends over at Trigger Time Kennels in Bonham, Texas. Rusty and Ashley Hagland not only bred little JoJo, uh, she also spent 11 months going through their retriever, or you could say gun dog school, and the results have been stellar. You can find Trigger Time Kennels on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com looking for a thermal hog hunt near dfw then three curl outfitters has you covered offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of dallas guide scout daily to put you on the bacon using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders crop fields and river bottoms you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees visit www.3curl.com also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940 in the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Hi folks, Roland Martin here, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We're going down to the river, gonna have us a little fun. Gonna do all the things that we just can't do at home. Gonna with my line, gonna have a good time, gonna milk it for all it's worth. Gonna give me a little peace on earth. There's a little Bo Phillips band, Peace on Earth, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you, as always. We've still got the godfather of the 6'5 Creedmoor Nation, Corey Knowlton, here in studio today. And we'll pick it back up with Corey momentarily. This segment, though, brought to you by SCI. Corey and I are both proud members of SCI. Uh, no organization does more when it comes to putting their money where their mouth is in the conservation realm. And as, and also, I mean, they're proactive as far as trying to educate the non-hunting public on why sustainable use hunting is conservation. For more info or to join our ranks, head over to safariclub.org. We'd love to have you. With that being said, uh, let's get back into it here with Corey Knowlton. How do you not need shoulder surgery you make videos of yourself shooting double barrels in the 400 to 600 range constantly mm-hmm. you're pretty skinny i shot an I'm entire 185 box. pounds and i'm five foot eleven okay i shot an entire box of 375 ruger bullets one day mm. 
And the next day, I, my shoulder was like, you suck. Well, you probably don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I think if you shoot a whole box of them, you probably... Well, I mean, look, it can... Obviously, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have a bruise or something for, from it. I was just saying it wasn't enjoyable. But, but, but you, control, you control that recoil with your right hand if you're right-handed, your mm-hmm. left hand with your left-handed. Okay, so I could show you videos or give them to you and show you that of someone who's done it a lot, I, I would say on, with with the double rifle in my hand, I would I'm at an extreme professional level with it. Right. Okay. And and of the modern people, you know, maybe Mark Sullivan in the not late nineties whenever he was shooting 600 early 2000 late 90s and then he moved to 577 he might be the only one that would even be shot in anywhere that remote amount of animals with the 600 okay or even practiced i've shot probably the most and it is the largest rifle that you're going to go hunting with mm-hmm. okay i mean they they say the 700 the 700 is not I mean, it's 16 pounds, 16 and a half pounds, 16, this is the uh, 600 is the most that you're ever going to want to carry. And the benefits for shooting the 700 are, there's negligible. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. Okay. It's 900, <coughs> 600 grand, six, uh, 600 is a 900 grain bullet. Okay. What can, what can you not, what can, I mean, any, it, it has enough stopping power to end any situation. And that's the point, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend that unless you just want to have it, which is just like somebody wants to have a freaking whatever. If you're a Chevy person, you want your 454, right? If you're a Ford person, it'd be a 427. You want like some big powerful thing and that's what you want. That's great. But the reason to own it is for the, you're hunting professionally and the guy you're with doesn't hit it correctly and you have to end it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. If it's running away, it goes all the way through virtually anything and if it's coming at you when it gets hit in the face with that the last thing it's thinking about is doing something to you so there, there's a reason for it but to answer your to answer your question if you control the recoil and don't fight it then it becomes a big push and there's there's instances where you do need to fight it a little bit let's just say like you just had to boom boom shoot well i can't let it freaking rock me all the way back right and then get back on it Cause it's far more than a hundred pounds of felt recoil. So I, I can't just go boom and let it take me like I would practicing. And, and that's how I don't get hurt at all. Practicing with it right. is because I grip it with my right hand. So, you know, about the people who double trigger it, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen it. Oh, yeah. If you guys are out there and you want to see something funny, Google Jay Allen Smith shooting a 500 nitro. And when he double triggers that thing, I mean, it blows him out of the screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, because he is a smaller person, uh-huh. a very experienced hunter. He's got a TV show, whatever. But anyway, you can be an experienced hunter, but the double rifle is a different deal, dude. Yeah. You would the, the closest thing I could say is for those who are out there, if you shot a, a, a double a side by side shotgun, okay, even over and under, similar enough, but side by side shotgun, and then just load it up with whatever you got that it, the way the recoil is is similar. Like it kind of bounces off you sideways. You you'll see it in the videos. You'll see this rocking mm-hmm. and you need to control that. If you're going to get right back, boom, boom, right on it. So the 600 is a, a, a very large, violent version of that. It's not like, like, a, you know, you hear people talk about a 300, like a 300 Weatherby or something like that, that cracked you, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that smashing crack. Cause there's that, not the shoulder on the, on the shell. It's just a big, low 
you know, burn that pushes you. So if you hold that in your hand, if you can, if you can imagine you're holding it up to your shoulder and you, and you squeeze the trigger the the gun, if you're not gripping it tightly will slide inside your hand, bounce off your, bounce off your shoulder, hit it and bounce off and then come back and your finger hits the other trigger. Cause it's happened so quick. Your, your fingers in its trigger position mm-hmm. and, and, and you've given it zero resistance. So if you just threw it up, like you're putting a 308 or a 22 to your shoulder, you can do that all day and there's no recourse for that. You do it with a hundred pounds of recoil, it's bouncing back. And then, and then you end up hitting the back trigger and it goes off. Well, well, okay. Well, they'll say, oh, well, uh, I just shot the back trigger. That's really not the way the thing's meant. And if I was teaching you to do it the first time, I might say that. Mm-hmm. But if you gripped it the way I showed you and I felt you gripping it, you're, you're, it's not going to happen. So, and then, and so the only way to become, I mean, not even to get to your level, because like you said, there's few people who have shot it that many times. Right. Um, but just, I guess, practice? or the, uh, How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Mm-hmm. Practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's 100%. And it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world to right. practice, but the the smartest way to practice with the double rifle and the most inexpensive way, and 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 I'm telling you, when you can shoot that thing, you can shoot anything. You you know it, it, it's it, the basics. It's like a the basics of marksmanship on open sites kicked up to where there's a lot of other things to manage besides a 22. But if you can shoot that thing, you can shoot anything. It really, it really is. You're not going to be a recoil sensitive person. I weigh two ten. I wouldn't say that I'm a very, very sensitive to when I shoot my three hundred wind mag or seven mag or whatever. Doesn't do anything shoot, to you. Shoot the three seventy five, which is well, I think those were like over three hundred grain bullets, and shoot a box of them. Like I said, that thump me. It, a little it'll bit. affect you. Yeah. But after a while, if you'd practice it, you'd it would when you what what ends up happening is you go back to shooting your, your 300 and you're like, this is an absolute nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, and when I would shoot a 375, even an ultra mag, which is a different realm than those other guns, dude, 375 mm-hmm. ultra mag becomes starting to become a real, a real weapon. And, uh, it's still like a toy. Yeah. I what hate it, to say it that way, but that's what it feels like. What has been the biggest OS moment in the African bush? And let's keep it to uh, pursuing the big five. Oh, and you know, we've heard about you getting well, the, the, trots the, 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 the biggest. The biggest of, I ever had was a crocodile. Uh huh. Okay. The closest I've ever had to dying was a crocodile. Huh. Yeah. Just like ambush or what? No. What had happened was I had this happened this year. I, look, you can look on my. You know, been there's videos, and this is just the stuff we have videos of. You know, there's that that one that's like becoming famous of the leopard jumping out of the tree mm-hmm. uh, in the car. Uh, you know, when we were in the top of the car and we parked right next to it, we thought it was in front of us, and it would have gotten the car, except that when it pushed off the limb, it, the limb gave and and kind of cracked. You know, and 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 then it just couldn't make it. It didn't have enough leverage to. Oh, this was a go. wounded leopard? No, no, not wounded at all. Oh, wow. a, yeah, not at all. <laughs> Far <laughs> from wounded. Okay. In any way. I guess I didn't see this video. No, I'll show you the video. And oh. then you can post the video. Yeah. Um, this one was uh, was was close, but 
even you if were hunting this car, leopard? Yeah, even even if we'd got even if it had got into the car, nobody's likely dying. You know, a leopard's given a bunch of stitches. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it could die, but it isn't. What is the phrase? I, I would say I was very far from from dying in this, uh-huh. but uh, it's on. like every second a leopard's on you. That's a hundred stitches, or something yeah, something like that. Like that okay, I don't want to find out. Personally. I've heard 150. Okay, so I'm watching the video now. Oh, gosh. There you go. That looks like a big tom. Yeah, it was a big leopard. Uh, Where were you? In Botswana. Uh, So we thought the leopard was in front of us here. uh And he's right by you. you're hunting with dogs. Oh, okay. And so it was right there. Ah, right on. Okay. You know, that one, I mean, and then things like this, like this one here, I, I wouldn't even consider this close, okay? This is the lion chart? Right. Okay, yeah, I've seen this one. Uh, right. So, I mean, that's not even close. So, and what caliber was, was a lioness that just got 500. dumped right in front of you guys? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine actually shot that. I was waiting for it to get closer. Uh-huh. No, that was a 577 he shot that with. I shot okay. it with a – I had a 500 at the time. Uh-huh. So, in I was in Zambia on uh, a river called the Kafui. So it's in the Kafui region of Zambia, which is where, you know, most people that go to Zambia go to Luangwa. But anyway, uh, Kafui, we were on a, we were on a big giant safari with like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 animals. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we were shooting a lot of crocs. It was almost like a management hunt for crocs. We were picking the crocs that were kind of closer to where people were. And if it was a big one that was hanging out by that. Well, anyway. I'm sure they were happy m- about that. Yeah, yeah, very. They don't really like them. Anyway, on a different river called the Lunga River, we went up and um, we had heard that there had been a big crocodile by this island. And we put a bait up. And I, I was probably just, I've been on about 70 safaris in my mm-hmm. life. And this is about like the maybe seventh or eighth in this area. So pretty familiar with it. And it's a bad place for crocodiles. There have been a lot of attacks and a lot of people on those rivers killed. So those crocs are 100% aware of humans and and aware of the, both the dangers and the that they can eat them uh-huh. so anyway the crocs on the island and when you're shooting crocodile it's oh, it's the, the best practice is to have somebody like just right after you ready you know you boom you hit it right great but if you don't hit it right rather than you operating the bolt it's immediate boom mm-hmm. you know either both through both shoulders you try to shoot them what they say behind the smile if you imagine a crocodile where it comes up just behind that which that's in essence, a neck shot or where the horns are at on top of the crocodile's head. Those bumps, those are actually what they call horns. You try to just take those off. Okay. okay. Which is a brain shot. In this case, the angle we had, the neck shot was better. And the client, uh, she shot and she's an excellent shot. The best of anybody that I've ever had with that was not a professional and better than most. Just uh-huh. an amazing person with a rifle. She shot and hit hit it, and it just, for whatever reason, the angle, she hit it about in the right spot, but for whatever reason, the angle of it, it just didn't do it, okay? Well, unfortunately, on our approach, the 
right below us was a bait and there were multiple crocodiles. Crocodiles don't really eat well underwater. Mm-hmm. So they, they'll, they have to shake, 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 tear it off and then come up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they can stand underwater forever. So you could see that there was multiple crocodiles on that bait shaking it. Okay. And, but not coming up. So it was like overhanging branches and there wasn't a blind there. So we, we had to take off our, our shoes to get close. Crocodiles are a hundred percent wide awake, dude. It's, it's not like shooting a turtle in a pond, dude. Yeah. Right. I mean, it can be, but it, it generally it's not. So, so you have to be very, very quiet on our approach. We did as good as we could. Luckily the big one was asleep. Like three others freaking hauled in the water. It was basically impossible to be perfectly quiet. Yeah. And, um, the big one was just asleep. So she shoots. I was in a position where I was trying to offhand it through the branches. Okay. But she was a good shot. I just felt like it probably wasn't going to be necessary. Right. Even if I felt the other way, there was no place to shoot. So she shoots. I, I shoot after her. I don't hit it, but then I stand up. Okay. She shoots again and hits it. I shoot again and hit it, but it's already got so much of its head in and in, in shoulders into the water off of that it, it goes in. Well, then the tail's just kicking. So what's happening is it's just, it's basically done, uh-huh. but it's just like going in a circle, like a fish flopping, you know, like, it's a like coyote a chasing its tail. Yeah, yeah. Similar to that. It's just, uh, just kind of going yeah. around in a circle. Right. So well, luckily that circle gets it back to the bank. Well, the professional hunter, he immediately bolted when he saw this, he didn't take his gun or anything. He's going to grab that crocodile by its tail and drag it back to the bank. Okay. Before it sinks and you lose it. Uh-huh. So he, he hauls over there. Well, I had never been to that Island. So I didn't know exactly where the approach was at. So he goes and I'm keeping rifle on the crocodile. Okay. And he, I hear him splashing. But when I hear him splashing and I see the crocodiles and not in a place I can move it, but I can still see it. I'm thinking I need to go over there and help him. I know he didn't have the rifle. I need to go over there and get on that Island. So me and a a tracker, we both run over there as fast as we could. And immediately I, I'm seeing him get out of the water. It was only like probably 50 yards away. Mm -hmm. So we sprinted over there and that probably took maybe 15 seconds to get across it. Okay. He's coming out of the water, but it was kind of like steep down. So it took a few seconds to get down there and I just go in the water. And I would say that I was probably going to have to go about belly button deep. Well, I got up to just probably below that and I looked to my right and I was like, hell man, that's where that freaking bait was. And so I'm like, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. So I get back out of the water and by now the other guy had figured out that too. And he goes over to where this guy crossed. Well, now he's the second person across. Mm. Okay. And so now I'm thinking generally the first person's going to be okay. All right. The second person, maybe, maybe not. The third person, if something's there <laughs> is not the one you want to be. Okay. So if you're ever over there, you're going to, you want to be first. Remember, uh-huh. okay. Always, <laughs> you want to be first. Okay. Second. Eh, yeah. Right. Anyway, I go over there and I look and imagine like, like, um, kind of like if you were hunting and the, and it's just to the point in the day when the sun's like kind of coming over the trees. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's shooting down this river and you couldn't really see a big glare. So I look back towards the bait and I'm like, okay, 
I can not see the best there, but I think that's okay over there. If it was going to eat me, it would already eat me. Okay. Yeah. So I look back up to the left and I say, okay, that's the way I'm going to go. I look back to the right again, like crossing the street. I'm like, okay, there's nothing over there. I look back to the left again. I'm like, all right, there's nothing here. I can see it. I go to step in. And as I go to step in, this thing rushes with the water behind it, with the force of the river and, and its tail uh-huh. at me, like full coming, like a freaking submarine. But luckily the water was so clear and I, I had, I could see if I couldn't have seen, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have noticed it because it wasn't disturbing the top of the water. Mm -hmm. Okay. If it was dirty water, there's, I would have already been dead. You wouldn't be talking to me. So that thing came and I was right on the bank and I, and luckily just like there was a step up right behind me to where I could just step like just three feet away. And I did. And that thing, it took its head right where my feet were at and like, it knew it wasn't going to get me, but it was mad. <laughs> like it just slammed where my feet were at. Okay. It goes 15 feet to my right, turns around and sets in the water, swimming up the creek, just looking at me like this. Ugh. Like, are you going to go back in there? And then as it happened, another guy comes in right next to it and I'm screaming at him. No, 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 no. And when I screamed it, it left. Now, if I'd had a double rifle, I just would have shot. Yeah. But whatever, the idea of the scoped rifle, like when all that, that stuff happens so fast, it's like re- reacting to like Nolan Ryan fastball. At you. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a reaction. And if, if, if I just had my other, you know, that type of rifle, I just would have went boom. But I can tell you right now, having the rifle in your hand meant nothing. Mm-hmm. If that thing had got me, it wouldn't. I mean, you'd rather have it than not. Yeah. But if it had got me, it had got me. And man, I was, for the next like 30 minutes, I was just a mess, dude. Like that, because I, man, I've had this stuff come for me many times, you know. Yeah. But having it when you see it and you know and you're ready, like the best advice I ever got about doing this one year, like um, before COVID, I had obviously I had all these clients that are waiting to go. By the time COVID had happened that year, I had to do 70 Cape Buffalo, 18 or 20 elephant. I think four lions and I can't remember the lepers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I contacted a friend of mine named Cliff Walker and Cliff Walker lives in Zimbabwe. And I said, Cliff, I've got all this hunting to do. And I've, I've done a lot of dangerous game hunting and he's a close friend of mine. He's, he's amazing at it. And I said, do you have any advice for me being safe this year throughout this? And, um, it was three words. Don't get complacent. Yeah, And so I have a lot of my friends that aren't with us anymore. Or they've been torn up and you got that intuition for a reason, mm. you know, and you, you have to listen. And to you it. asked him this after decades of doing it. Absolutely. It's dude, it's, I'm telling you now, it's one thing saying I'm going on a Buffalo hunt or mm. even I'm going on five, you go on 70, mm. one of them's coming for you. And okay, these were and these were all hunts you'd booked before COVID. Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And so now you've got them back. Long. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all it was basically a, a, a full summer of all of it, you know. And um, explain to our listeners what you actually do because you're not the PH, but yet you're mm-hmm. there with the you're there with it, the double it, rifle it, every time. Yeah, and yeah, in general, almost every time that I'll go. I mean, imagine if you just wanted to do this type of hunting and you had kind of a really high budget for it. 
and you want to be have don't worry about all of the logistics of it don't worry about if this after you've kind of chosen what it is you want to go for where you want to go basically having it carefree time and and that that's what I do and so and that goes from I won't go with them unless I have a hunting license so I can carry a rifle and um and I won't there's there's only one boss you know mm-hmm. and so if if it's it's like I kind of know what needs to happen and I understand that the the rules but the professional hunter is always in charge and maybe we'll consult and talk about things often because a lot of the time, some of those PHs I've been with, I've done far more elephant hunting than, and you know, I don't really know the amount, but a lot mm-hmm. of, of active American people would be in the top, you know? Yeah. And so, so I wouldn't say I've done the most, but I've done far more than most. And so there's times when I'll see things or whatever and we'll discuss it, but I'm never going to be the boss. The the most I might say is, you know, I'm not going to say we shouldn't do that, but what I'm saying is no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm not going to say you can't do it, but I'm saying no. That, that, that That's kind of, you know, but other than that, like, like, and that's just knowing the guy you're with. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's, Okay, you may think you know what you're dealing with with this client. You see clients all the time. But a lot of those clients, man, I've hunted with. One of them is a guy named Rick Warren. And Rick Mm. has taken the most African species of any person alive or dead. Mm. And so, you know, I I know what that guy, I've hunted with him a lot. You know, I know what he's capable of and I know what he's not capable of. And I, I know those things that we'll discuss it. He's capable of most all of it. But if you get in there and say, hey, we're going to go. 10 miles today and 10 miles tomorrow. Well, dude, he's an older guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, but that, but they'll say, well, I, you know, I, I can do that. Those are the type of things. It's just looking out for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the croc was the, that was the closest. Yeah. I've had a lot of, I mean, it's just, what do you consider close? I mean, to me, it's, you know, maybe feeling real, but it felt close to me. Yeah. I mean, it was two feet from me. And when I saw it coming, I thought, this is what it's like when these people get killed by crocodiles. This is what they see. And for 30 minutes, you're like... No, after that, I was just like... I mean, I was going through the motions of taking the pictures and everything, and I was putting on the very best face I could, but my wife was there. My mm-hmm. wife was on that hunt. She would have been there and saw me freaking eaten by that thing. Yeah. So, it, or at least killed by it. Or in best case, you know, I mean, best case is what happened. I avoided it. But yeah. The, you know, the next best case is it bites me and I shoot it. Right. You know, yeah. and I've had friends taken by crocodile. They, I've had two that lived. Huh. One lost part of his foot and another, it grabbed his head. Huh. And when it went to twist, the tooth broke off in his head. Wow. <laughs> and you know where that was? In Mexico. It Mexico? Spear fishing. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, but But African crocodile... Nile crocodile, you don't want to mess with it, dude. They've made it for how many freaking jillions of years, and they're yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. I, I think getting eaten by a crocodile or a shark would be two of the most terrifying ways to go out. Personally, uh, I'm glad that you didn't. Glad you're still here. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get Corey's take on the most underrated of African hunting destinations, plus the always controversial issue of trophy images 
uh, and then import bands. I don't know what else. So much to talk about. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by NUMA Outdoors and the Pathfinder Pant. It's what I'll be wearing in the African bush next week. Why? Because it's rugged and comfortable. You'll get 20% off with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. That's off anything you order at numaoutdoors.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors. Well, there's cold and there's hot And things that come just to stir the pot And words it ain't worth the time they take to say Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Cable here for Secure at Gun Storage, the gun storage system that caters to your specific needs. Lightweight saves that allow you to customize the interior to fit your firearm collection. I would know, I've got four of them in my house. It's decentralized storage that keeps me organized and never more than arm's length away from a firearm. The storage system keeps my guns and optics from ever touching or rubbing against each other as well. To check out their full lineup of safes and storage systems, just head over to secureitgunstorage.com and you can thank me later. You can't tell who might be stowed away Shivering there while the boxes sway Who might jump before the light of day You can't tell There's a night train Rolling by night train Rolling by Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg. We've still got our longtime friend. He is a professional hunter, booking agent, world traveler, most notably, the face of 6-5 Creed Nation, Corey Knowlton, still here. We've got a lot more to get into. This segment, though, brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Razer HD 4000 GB Ballistics Rangefinder. If you're looking to get into long-range shooting, hunting, or a combination of both, this is the technology that's going to take you to the next level. You pair this rangefinder. With the GeoBallistics app, just download it. It's free. Put in your caliber and bullet combination, and boom, you make the adjustments according to the output. It's that easy. Super simple. You can find the Razer HD 4000 GB at uh, Vortex Optics, or 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 you could save 10% if you pick one up at uh, EuroOptic.com. Just use that promo code LoneStar10 when you check out. With that being said. Corey, appreciate you sticking around, man. Um, let's go. Let's go down this rabbit hole. What would you say, as someone who's traveled all over the dark continent, but what country would you say is the most underrated hunting destination in Africa? Namibia is the most underrated. Yeah, but it, I haven't been there. But people tell me it's like, well, it's like how South Africa was twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Yeah, I mean. Here's why I say it's underrated. It's extremely diverse. You got Kalahari Desert. You've got Namib Desert. I know they both have desert in the back, but Namib Desert is like you're on the moon. Oh. Kalahari Desert is, you know, it's in, it's a big desert and it's in Botswana and Namibia. I mean, Botswana, Namibia, and South Africa. 
and almost the edge of Wangi Park. I mean, you can still see Gims Buck from Wangi Park. But anyway, the the Kalahari Desert, Namibian Desert, Namib Desert, really interesting, beyond interesting. And then up north, you have like where this big river comes in and splits in two, and the Kunini River goes to the ocean, and the Kavango goes back to the uh, back to the east. And up there, it's it's pretty amazing. Namibia is the only country in the world that has it in their constitution that they banned all future hunting bans. Mm. So hunting can never be banned in that country. So you're always going to hear me scream to high heaven how wonderful the Namibian Ministry of Environment and Tourism is. They really are. Mm. And and they really get it. Namibia is... uh, it's national park system. They hunt in it outside of Atosha and maybe a, another one. They hunt, they manage it through hunting and it works out really, really well. So I think Namibia is an extremely underrated destination for that, especially for the dollar. Like if you were going to have, you're on a budget, I think Namibia you, is good for that. So, okay. Uh, what is your favorite? Out of all those double barrels, which is the caliber that you end up taking the most? Six hundred. Okay, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> not 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 even close. Uh-huh. I mean, look, the other ones are great. Like, I wouldn't want the six hundred on a, a a leopard or a lion, but you know, on a on it's made it, it's made for elephant, and uh-huh. so it's best for elephant. And if you're serious about elephant hunting and you're going to hunt a bunch of elephants, I would. 100% recommend 600. If, if if you're hunting buffalo and that's what your main thing is, I would not recommend the 600. I've, I don't know how many buffalo that I've shot in my life. Lots. Um, and More than 50. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, way over that. You're just putting it into perspective. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, putting it in perspective. Yeah, way over that. Uh-huh. And um, I'm you know, sitting here at one. So. Yeah, there you go. But so, but whatever. I mean, I th- you, I you, went, it, you I, did it, and you wanted to do it, and you went and did it. And I want to do it again with a bow. Okay, and I, I got a lot of recommendations on that too. But anyway, Which is your recommendation is probably to take a gun. Yeah, there you go. That's the best. <laughs> That's where I would have started. But, if, you're but, but if, if, if you're if you're going to die on that mountain, <laughs> I, I can tell you about what to how to help yourself on a bow. Um, but yeah, the six hundred isn't the best for Cape Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, again, it's made for elephant. If you're thinking about, this is the romance of it. If you were to go back and read about the guys in hunting the Tana River in Kenya, okay, in the early 1900s to 1940s or whatever, the golden age of it, a lot of those guys had a 600, okay? That's why it will always be the king. Mm-hmm. If, you were to, if, if you're a hunter and you're thinking about going to Africa, the romantic nostalgic part of it is always going to be a part of it. It just always is going to be the lore is always going to be a part of it. So that's why the 600 brains King, Mm -hmm. not only because today it's every bit as effective. They haven't improved it, even though they're going to say, well, how does the 700 improve? Well, I could say a howitzer improves it. I want (laughs) to, okay. Yeah. It improved it a lot. And I brought this RPG. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, so those things, yes, they, you could, you could argue that, that argue improvements, but it hasn't been improved. And the, I can tell you by hunting with many different professional hunters that hadn't seen it often in 
in action or ever. Once you see it in action and you see what it does compared to the other things and the way the animals react when they get hit by it, you will fall in love with it if you're a professional because ultimately every hunt has to come to an end. Mm. And for it to to end successfully in most people's minds, if they were out there to take an animal, it's with the taking of that animal. There needs to come to a point where that ends and you move on. Right. And, And for a professional, that's a very important part. So those guys end up falling in love with it. But on a Cape Buffalo, if it's standing there sideways, sometimes it'll just go completely through it. And that's kind of the thing. There isn't a lot of great soft options for it. It's Mm. basically a solid or or this woodly soft thing. And it's just, it's not like a Barnes triple shock or Nosler Acubond or whatever Hornady you want to say. It's just not the same. Mm. So, so that's kind of that one downfall. If maybe if there was a little bit better then I, then you say it is, but I learned it and lost. I think I've only been, I've only had like one, two, three Cape Buffalo out of however many, and every single one of them was broadside with a 600. Hmm. But the ones that were, yeah, it just went, it just went through them. Yeah. You know, like butter. Uh So, but if you go, same concept is like why, uh, and I'm not doing this because I'm doing the diker with dogs and a shotgun, but you can just sit in a water hole and shoot a diker with a 375 H&H, which is a giant caliber for something yeah, that's going really, right through it. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's going right through it. Right, right through it. So in, in, in essence, a 375 is better than a 300 or even like a, a smaller caliber because you're not going to blow him away. I mean, you could, if you're standing next to a rock or something, you know, I've actually had that one go bad, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, shoot him with your 416 Weatherby. <laughs> Where'd he go? Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's uh, a piece of him. Yes. We, yeah, well, you've got a shoulder mount. That didn't work out. <laughs> All right. So would you say that elephant is your favorite thing to hunt? Yes. I knew that about you. Yes. Uh-huh. Not, not even close. How many elephant hunts have you been on? Ballpark. I don't want to say. You don't want to say. All right. Okay. Well, the, we'll we, just, we talked we'll, about it. We'll sum it up as similar, quite a few. Similar, similar level to the uh, Cape Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would happen if you shot an elephant with a 6.5 Creedmoor? We'll just cut it in half? No, but if you shot it, you could, you could, if you had a right bullet and you were within 50 yards of it and you put it in a, you, its arm moved forward, uh-huh. you know, I guess you could kill it with it. But it wouldn't cut it in half. It's going to poke a very small hole in it and have an <laughs> elephant that's extremely alive. <laughs> so give me the he 600. Will be, he, will be the, he will be the most alive elephant for however it takes for him to bleed to death from that. Imagine a gigantic barrel, mm-hmm. okay, on the, or like a water truck. It's probably similar to the amount of freaking blood in the big bullet. Okay, <laughs> you definitely put a lot of blood in that big water truck, right? Now, have you shot... And put that little hole in it uh-huh. because here's what I'll say. You can kill animals by hemorrhaging. Okay. That's one way you can kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, they bleed to death or suffocate on that blood, but the hemorrhage is what caused the death. Okay. Or this elk thing? that I shot right here with a bow. Yeah. I shot it, uh, quartering, it was quartering towards me slightly. I got all liver, but the arrow did not exit. It got stuck in his back opposite hindquarter okay it's found like one drop of blood dude that elk only ran 40 yards and died in some really thick stuff it took us like yeah, four so all the blood was in the cavity all of it yeah okay so you can kill by hemorrhaging which mm-hmm. is what you're going to do with a bow mm-hmm. most of the time right i think everybody would agree that that's what's going to happen all right you can kill by shutting off the 
nervous system. Okay. Shutting off the nervous system by hitting it in the brain, or if you severed the spinal cord, right, right. it is going to die. Okay, so those are kind of your two basic things. That most hunters experience. That's, the, that's well, no, there's a third, hydrostatic shock. Mm-hmm. So now there'll be an argument on hydrostatic shock, but all of us that have hunted a lot, I think we've seen this with empirical evidence. In, in this is when I put a 300 wood mag on the front shoulder of a whitetail and just goes. <laughs> and, and it is dead when it hits the ground, right? right? Okay. People are like, why don't you? Why do you shoot a whitetail with a three hundred wind? Because oh, like, yeah. I like it. To, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like exactly what I just explained. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> I'll tell you this: I've never been undergunned with a six hundred nitro express. Right. Okay. okay. So if, you, if I don't feel like I've yeah, ever been undergunned undergun deer with, hunting with a three hundred. There you go. Bag. So yeah. that's the nicest thing about it, right? So they say, "Why?" Well, I can, and I don't want to feel like if I, it's a funnier angle with yeah. a three hundred. Can you? You're, what angle can you not do? Yeah. And killing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it would, that's really the question. Yeah. So, right. So, so to get back to what I'm saying is the hydrostatic shock. All right. So this is a, this is, this is the argument, which I, I, I say, I think there's like a high degree of ignorance amongst mm-hmm. hunters, maybe the highest ever, but it's the highest among, uh, highest passion that I've ever seen in my life is people are the most passionate about hunting that they've ever been. Is that because we are in a place where it keeps getting attacked, and so we have to feel like we're more passionate about it? I don't know that... I, what leads know, to an increased I, I, passion I'm not, I'm not but less knowledge? I'm not, a, I'm not a psychology or a sociology ma- major, um, but I know the light is green or red, mm-hmm. right? I can tell you that the people now seem to be the most passionate they've ever been. And less educated. And the highest, the highest degree of ignorance. Okay. So maybe that's because they're getting all their information from social media videos instead of reading outdoor life articles. Well, or even then you could argue that. Or just know, spending time in the field. There's right, a great there, there's, That's the best way. Uh-huh. Okay. Is be around the best people that you can be around and see what works. Okay. Well, I would even argue, well, yes, that, but like there's something to be said for just going out and doing it yourself and learning through trial a- and absolutely. error. Absolutely. As long as you're safe. Right. Like you can, I'm, we're not talking about going hunting Cape Buffalo. Right, like, sure, but as long as go you're elk, safe, how do you get better at elk hunting with a bow? Well, go rules. do it. I think this is it. If there was the f- one thing I could explain, and this is after seeing a lot of people die mm-hmm. in hunting all over the world, all right, and it's hit very close to home to me because I've had this happen to people I love. There's five rules of hunting. Safety, 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 and safety. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to go out hunting and feel like you know more about it than you do or feel more comfortable than you do or say, I'm, it's only a couple beers and I'm going to do this, all right? You can die doing this stuff really easy. That's why the as children, we are all thrown in these hunter safety classes. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Now... Could that be replaced by you growing up in the outdoors and living out there? I would rather have that person than a person that stepped out of a Dallas classroom and went into a hunter safety class, mm-hmm. right? I'd much rather have the guy that sure. grew up, right? But that being said, this is why I say we have far more people hunting now that came from a not a rural environment. And with that, you, there's... Probably BHA recruits. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> right. That's probably high. Okay. So anyway, yes. So there, that happens. 
So when I when I'm explaining these 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 basic things, they're super important things, and it sounds like it's almost like you're you know you could say Corey you're just overstating the obvious. Well, it may be obvious for you, but it isn't obvious for everybody in our community. And if you want to stay alive for your whole life and not stab, you know, the, the most likely way, most hunting injuries are skin of the animal. Okay. That's where the most hunting injuries happen. I've definitely done it. Yeah. And I'm sure thousands of people that I've. I, found, I figured out having on knives are pretty sharp. I always oh, knew they worked on animals. Then I cut my thumb. Dude, I, like, good, I, I good. remember when that came out. Yeah. Okay. Like this I, is dangerous. I, I remember I remember the day all of that started happening and and shortly after they sponsored Jim and I's shows. Uh-huh. And so we all all of us had those things. Dude, I'll tell you now if if I am a thousand times more scared of a Havilon knife than I am a 6.5 free. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I mean, you just see the amount of seconds you can take something apart. It's like, goodness gracious. So anyway, that, that's, that's, that's my, my two cents on it. So to get back to what we were saying, we kind of went down a rabbit hole. You can kill things by hemorrhage. You can kill things by shutting off the central ner- nervous system. And you can kill things by hydrostatic shock. Mm-hmm. And if you were to get it, let's say that white tail that you shot and he dropped like that. If you were to take a microscope and look at the tissue... A shock wave went through there and damaged it. There's all these little minuscule half moon shaped scars. Okay. Mm-hmm. That shock wave hits the animal's brain or its heart or any major organ. It's damaged it. Okay. Right. Is it, and, and I'm, I'm of the school of thought that believes that it, that damage kills it. Okay. Can. Yeah. So let's do a, a little quick math. And this is for everybody out here who's deciding what rifle you're going to go hunting with. All right. What, why don't you Google foot pounds for your 300 wind mag with whatever grain bullet you're using at however many feet a second. And, and if you, you can always hit whatever ballistics calculator, foot pound calculator. Well, let's just do, I, I like to shoot a 200 grain bullet. But okay. Let's say for Perfect. whitetail, I'm shooting 180 grain. Okay. With, which is certainly the most common grain bullet selection for the 300 wind mag. And that's going to be right around 3,000 feet per second, delivering 3,500 to 4,000-ish uh, foot-pounds of energy. If you're going to go out there and hunt, the average Texas whitetail buck, I'm not saying like across the state, it's mm-hmm. probably 140 to 150 pounds. You think that's correct? Well, certainly, like if you factor in the hill country. Yeah, you're, I'm just yeah. saying across yeah. our state. Yeah, yeah. South Texas to the Panhandle is to the average yeah. around that. So let's just say it's 150 for argument's sake. That's 20 to 1. All right? Mm-hmm. Imagine something 20 times your weight smacking you. All right? That, that's what just happened. Now, if you go into the case and we use our argument and we use that same thing to a whatever the heck a a um, prairie dog weighs, the wound cavity created is larger than the prairie dog itself. <laughs> Thus, that's why you see these explosive prairie dog videos. Right. Okay. You can't overcome physics in any of this stuff, guys. And I hate to tell this to the Creedmoor shooters, but you can't overcome physics. So when you take that, that rifle, whatever it is you're choosing, and you find out the distance and you use 
you can go buy a lab radar chronograph and do this yourself and figure out downrange, get the, get the data in front of you for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to just trust Google and you'll be able to figure out how much feet per second it's traveling at and, and how many foot pounds it's hitting at. So now you go to, you go to an elephant. Okay. Uh Well, an elephant bull weighs anywhere between, you know, over 10,000 pounds. So let's say 12,000 pounds elephant bull. What are we going to shoot that has even, that gets us to one to one. Right. Okay. You can't even get there. Like what I shoot is, is whatever, 7,000, just over 7,000 feet a set. I mean, 7,000 foot pounds. Uh So my only way to kill that thing is your, yeah, it can break bone. So it's not the same as, as bow hunting, but I have to have the similar mentality in the, in essence that if I'm shooting him in the lungs and shooting him in the heart, I need to make a well-placed shot. Of course. Okay. So, so that's that, that you don't have that cushion of that's all the energy. Bow hunting is so hard. That's why bow hunting takes a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. You know, killing with a rifle takes a lot of skill, really. It's not like, you know, I mean, yeah, if it's sitting there based in a perfect rest, anybody can go up there and pull the trigger, but it takes a lot of skill to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So after elephant, what is the ne- your next favorite thing to hunt? Lion mm-hmm. and then mule deer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the mule deer part. Yeah, that's my, those are my three favorites. Uh-huh. But you always say mule deer are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could pull up a recent post. Yeah, uh, when I said they were stupid, uh-huh. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, anyone could kill a mule deer. That's Maybe right. Like that. uh-huh. How uh-huh. many big ones you got? Yeah, there it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everybody who says it, uh-huh. how many big ones you got? Uh, okay. Bush pig worth it or overrated? Fabulous. Underrated. Big time. Why is that? They're a fabulous animal. They're really, (laughs) they're, I mean, they look like they're from another planet. I'm talking about a big boar, Uh like a small bush pig. Uh, Maybe I I might, I've sat one night and didn't get one, but you know, I've, I've shot a lot of stuff on the Eastern Cape. So I'm trying to check off some other species. Uh, Yeah. That's a fabulous animal. Like, and, and they can look. They can look. They look like Alf from that TV show from the. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of. I wouldn't say that's the best representation, but yes, it's getting. It's (laughs) looking like something from out of this world in the sense that Alf was alien life form. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they're 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 underrated. Like in 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 East Africa, I mean, the further you get up north in Africa, the crazier they look. Like, I'm trying to find this picture of a, a bush pig I killed in in Ethiopia. And I'm telling you, dude. Now here it is. Oh yeah, okay. I remember that picture. Yeah, definitely. Kind of looks like Alf. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I'll, it's Alf. Or like an ant eater or something crossed with a pig. Yeah, was... yeah. They're they're an awesome animal. Yeah. yeah. So I would say I would say very underrated. Uh huh. Um, what? So, what food? What was the most unpleasant thing you've eaten in Africa? I don't know. I, I haven't had a, a lot of bad things in Africa. I haven't had anything bad. Yeah, most of it's pretty good. But you've I, hunted in some more remote camps and stuff where I'm thinking like... Yeah, I mean, I've seen bad things eaten. Uh, Baboon lungs, pretty ooh. rough. It's about as bad as it gets. I'll pass on that, I think. Yeah. And I'll eat just about anything. Uh, worst food by region or country, though. I and mean, this could not be... Central a- Asia. <laughs> Central Asia. <laughs> the worst. I think the worst for me, and this is kind of surprising. And the food wasn't bad, but it just didn't have any flavor. It was... Uh, 
Newfoundland. One of the guys has gone moose hunting there. He was like, take your own hot sauce. They don't put any any like Bro, where were flavor. You born at, okay. I was born right here in Tex Mex Heaven. Okay, yeah. So you, I think you could say the same thing for anything above us. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> but I did. I took a bottle of hot sauce up there, put it on everything. Yes. Um, Are we in Newfoundland? No, we're in Kansas Cable. Yeah. Tastes the same. <laughs> Let's talk trophy photos. You're aware of the recent interview I did with Matt Ranella and his uh, yes interesting takes on consider me informed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What you're not shy about posting trophy photos. I'm not no. shy about it. I actually like seeing it. And like I told Matt, when I see one, he said his response was, "Well, that just makes everyone else jealous and makes hunting more of a competition across the board." I see your elephant photos. I don't get jealous. I'm like, oh, cool. Corey and his client got another elephant. Like, how awesome is that? I'd love to do that someday. You know, like, yeah, or even a big deer or whatever. Across, yeah, exactly. Especially if someone's kid shoots something, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is perfect. Now we've got another kid. We've sunk our claws into another kid. We've got a grip on them. They're going to grow up and and love the same thing. And uh, I think one of the best ways to state this, I said this to. It kind of goes back to what are you putting a value on Mm -hmm. and how do you feel about that and and how do you feel about what that value represents about you or or saying it. For instance, um, we had this giant thing about value back when I did this black rhino hunt and uh, there was such a controversy at the time in 2014 and 2015 around the Cecil time. I actually should find Walter Palmer and give him a pie because when he did his <laughs> thing, it like it, it, my life became way easier. So that, you know, I thanks, Walter. Him, yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, a tongue-in-cheek thank you. I um, what I said was that okay for the people who are criticizing us and putting a value on this, and this goes to the trophy photo thing in, in a way. If a woman goes in and buys a Louis Vuitton purse or a Gucci purse or whatever, nice pair of shoes, whatever, Mm -hmm. the animal died for her to have that purse, okay? And she's wearing it on her shoulder for the world to see. And it's generally accepted, wouldn't you say? Uh, Encouraged. Yeah, it's encouraged. (laughs) Okay. And how many Facebook posts do we see that are out there with a woman showing off her purse or shoes far more than what we're dealing with. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or Instagram, whatever. Now, does that mean that all the other women in the world are, are they screaming that we have to end Sarah posting her Louis Vuitton? No, they feel the same way when I see your big deer. Like, oh, cool. They're like, oh, cool. Sarah got a new Louis Vuitton okay. purse. So if we're going to say, agree with that. Okay, so you and I have a value that's greater on seeing this big buck you kill it on the wall. Mm-hmm. Okay, I look at that thing and it's like, man, it's gorgeous. Okay, good for you, Cable. Now, the, what's the difference between the value that you put on that deer and that she put on the purse? Well... Two things. One, you had an intimate relationship with that deer. You saw it in the field. You were close to it, and you took its life. And I ate it. And you ate it. Okay? So I think 
the relationship and what you get out mm-hmm. of that animal is probably at least equal and likely more than a woman and her purse or whatever, the shoes or whatever. I, I guarantee you that woman doesn't even know what kind of animal that purse was made out of. She just knows it's leather. She doesn't That's know right, what it is. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay. So. No offense, ladies. Yes, of course not. But my, my, And good for them. My point is, as hunters, oftentimes it's a very firsthand relationship with the animal dying. And so it, it, it's a special thing that happens. And it's a different degree of pride that you're involved in that mm-hmm. than a purchase. So I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with the with the pictures. I would actually say, who are you to say the opposite? You feel, so I need, it's almost like we're back to pronouns here. Mm-hmm. I have to bow down to you because, and, and I'm going to change my life because you feel that it makes people jealous. Let's be honest. Who is it making feeling jealous? Are, are you saying this for the greater cup, the, the greater good, right? Are, are you saying because you actually feel jealous when you see this and you're, you're upset? I think you can, I think you could come to the, come to the um, conclusion that you were dealing with a jealous individual when you were saying that. And I'd be happy to sit there and talk to the guy. I don't have a problem in the world. Okay. But what I, again, I, I think his position on it's wrong. And I think it's, uh, it's virtue signaling is what it is. Well, and we've talked in nauseam over the years with all kinds of guests about how they've taken the word trophy and twisted it into something nasty when it used to be like, it used to be a, a word of esteem within the hunting community. Or, or you this? could say, uh, or I've talked to, to PHs who've been on airplanes and they're like, yeah, in the 90s, I was a young PH and I would tell people what I did and, and they were like, oh, that's so cool. Now he's like, I won't even tell them what I do because so much of society is like, just poo-poo that and think that you're a horrible, barbaric person. The esteem that goes with trophy hunting. And I think it's because they've made it a nasty, nasty word. Okay. I am at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Uh-huh. Trophy. There's... Four things that trophy can be used for, okay? Actually, five, because two has A and B. One, something gained or given in victory or conquest, especially when preserved or mounted as a memorial. If we go down to number three, a game animal or fish suitable for mounting as a trophy, usually used attributably. Mm -hmm. Okay, this wasn't cable. And this isn't Corey saying the definition of a trophy. So as a society, are we all going to contact as hunters to make our world better? We're going to contact the dictionaries, companies of the world, and these freaking geniuses and explain to them, we no longer want to use it. We don't like what your dictionary says about us. I think there's some hunters that I I do. (laughs) I know I mean, there are hunters that shy away from it. And many of them have... Shying away from it is, okay, I want to go put my head in the dark and think that I live in a different world than the rest of everybody else. And virtue then I'm signaling gonna blame, what you said. Yeah, then I'm going to go blame... I'm going to go blame Cable and Corey uh-huh. and freaking Sarah and Susie and everybody else that posted their animal they took this year. Which, by the way, there's more people hunting now than ever. 
all of the work that we did. I don't know how old you listeners are, but I promise you if you're in your mid-30s or, or older, and certainly if you're in your mid-40s or older, you remember, oh, we're running out of hunters. Mm-hmm. Okay. We did such a good job of this. And the internet, and we were the beneficiaries of some of the best luck, that our problem is not where are we going to find these hunters anymore. It's what are we going to do with them all. Mm-hmm. And that's why Matt Ranella is upset. Because the way he grew up in this world, the opportunities had, are changing to where they're more expensive and more rare. Right. Okay. And well, supply and, that, and demand. It's a supply and demand thing. And throughout this, and he's probably upset with, and I didn't, full disclosure, I didn't listen to it all yeah. because it was frankly ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I went into it with the idea that it would be a productive conversation. And I think it was great to hear him give his take, but I didn't walk away from it agreeing with really anything he said. Other than da- social media can be dangerous well, and the way if you, used inappropriately. I, I'm not, this isn't a criticism of you. It's just the way that you, your interviewing style and the way you talk is you kind of let them go. Sure. Okay. Okay. So it, I almost felt like it was like driving down the road and two crazy people in a fight. <laughs> I'm just going to keep driving. Okay. But you were letting, it was the things, it was a one-sided deal. You know? Someone on, I, I, I will tell them when I disagree with them, which I, I did every time, but I did, I would let him talk for Five, ten was minutes. It like on the topic, same way it? you disagreed me when I said that that you're saying I stated that the mule deer were dumb. No, it was more of a mm, no. BHA is anti Second Amendment, Matt. You're wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's hey, I, and to each their or, to or each, Matt. It, I've hunted on a on a lease that was way harder it, than any it, high it, fence, or I mean, excuse me, it was harder than public land hunting. Here's what I'll say. He also said lease hunting and private hunting was was awful, and I said. I just said, we'll have to agree to disagree then because I think that's preposterous. Well, here's what I would say. I have a lot of empathy for him, okay? I have a lot of empathy for people and hunters. I have been this person in my life where opportunities you wanted were outside of your reach Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. There's still opportunities there at this point considering I made my whole life and I was extremely successful in it and in in hunting in the outdoors and and every – I mean – if I was to say the things that are outside of my reach now, they would be philanthropic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, there's things that I wish were different and, and advocacy issues. Okay. Right. Which you fight for and, and all these groups, SCI, DSC, whoever you want to say, they, 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 they try to, they, they fight the good fight with these things. I wish we could do better at it. Those are the things that are outside my reach. But for, I, for, I for, think for, we for, relate to the party as a hunting community. Like we, for so long, just let, you know, let the antis, give us yeah. black eyes and we just stood there or give us a bloody lip and we just stood there and bled and didn't do anything. Now we're being a little more proactive as a community. Yeah, almost over so. But that's fine. I'd rather be over right, than not than act like it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there for a while we had a lot of people that were saying, oh, I got a, a message on the internet and they said they were going to hurt me. Mm. Are you really worried about this vegan guy from San Francisco coming to your house and beating you to death <laughs> with a cucumber? Okay, so what? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I say that because I. It's easy for me to say, I went through the worst of it of almost anybody, you know, outside of Walter, and with I was the at rhino, the yeah. yeah, I was at the FBI office. Yeah. All right, and they're explaining to me, here's who you need to worry about, and who you sure you don't. Yeah. Okay, that's when it's becoming serious. I'm not discounting anybody's emotional state. But I, again, I have empathy for them. I have sympathy for those people. But I, I think I think you're you're going on. They, 
I hate to say it again, but it, I mean, we're seeing it over and over again. This virtue signaling thing is part of our society and, and the hunting community isn't immune to it. Mm-hmm. So one of the other reasons why I disagree with most of what he said was, um, you're a capitalist. I'm a, well, yes, I'm a capitalist, but when you shot your first doll sheep in the nineties, it was $5,000. I was, was talking time. to a guy at an RMEF banquet a year ago who was in his late seventies, early eighties. And he was like, shoot, man. And he's telling me about all his Alaskan and, and uh, Northern Territories and Yukon trophies. And he's like, I could go kill a doll sheep. He's killed like 10 of them. I'm like, why? That's awesome. He's like, well, I just love doll sheep. And back when I started hunting them, they were $2,000. Right. I'm like, now, supply and demand, I want to kill a doll sheep. Well, I'm not going to spend $25,000 on one, which is what the going rate for one. But, you know, there are people. Here's the truth. But I'm not jealous of the Here's people the that truth. can. There wasn't. And, 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 and. How old are you, Cable? 41. Okay. So you're in the same generation as me, or just about. You're kind of just on the edge of the millennial thing, and I'm just at the edge of the Generation X thing. Yeah. Hunting, I'm telling you now, I went to the first, the first DSC thing I went to was at the Harvey Hotel in Dallas, okay? And there was like a handful of exhibitors, and this was like international hunting. It was not cool then, dude, Okay. Mm-hmm. We weren't walking around and we didn't have freaking famous celebrities walking around, UFC stars, freaking um, political. I mean, there were both some political people that went, but they weren't like, it wasn't like featuring them because they were there. We're not having Tucker Carlson be the keynote speaker. There you go. Not even in the realm. Okay. It went from being something that was a country bumpkin thing that the the urbanized world tolerated or didn't even care about because it wasn't in their because social media didn't yeah, exist. Yeah. So Matt Ronello's right on some things. Like social well, media. He, he's right on lots of things. But my point is it's you know there it's it's not that you're you're wrong in certain ways. You're just an asshole. Yeah. Okay. You're you, and, and, and and you're a very narcissistic sounding one. And so and so the things he's wrong about you and I would agree, but that's why when I say I have empathy for him, I understand. I live this catharsis of, of the way it was to the way it is. Mm-hmm. But rather than crying about it, you can cry about it. But what you're crying about is, I mean, uh, again, I'm not a psychologist, but I think those who are living in the past, they become depressed. Right. Those who are living in the future, they become anxious. Those who are living in today... Well, we're just dealing with what we're dealing with today. Right. And, and and so that's probably where happiness can be found. At least the stuff in the past is rooted in reality. It happened in the future, man. You're worried about that. I don't know. Okay. Well, I can guarantee you it's <laughs> not going to be rooted in reality. <laughs> Your thoughts, right? No Most like right. almost today is like, oh, if you so, have a penis, you can still be a girl. That, there, so yeah. there you go. Oh, really? And, oh, okay. and which of us saw this coming 10 mm-hmm. years ago? Which was the guy who was saying, man... The the testicular injuries amongst freaking women are going to go to the roof. Okay, so there wasn't that guy out there, right? So this goes the same the same thing. I, I've seen this giant catharsis from the way it was to what it is. The problems we're going to have in the future to keep the thing we're all so passionate about um, going. The answer to it lies in educating yourself about these things. The answer to defeating 
the things that are against us and kind of the human defamation league and the animal defamation league. That's what it is when you're here in PETA. It isn't about conservation. Oh, heck okay. no. Okay, so we've, we can agree on that. I think all of us that are hunters are aware PETA of is not even the most dangerous one anymore. Like defenders of wildlife oh, yeah, well, and... Uh, HSUS, all, all of them. It's all, um, it, it, hey, I don't even know, right? Who is the most dangerous? I'll tell you who the most dangerous one is. All of us need to go look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. It's us. The, the people who are going to end hunting, I promise you now, it is not the antis. It's us. I can prove to you how it's happened over and over again and put examples in front of you. And if you're a rational person, you see it. But who wants to be mad at themselves? Like a big thing. How many people have you said use the word the hunting industry? A lot of people do. Okay. The idea of the hunting industry, that didn't exist in people's minds prior to the last 15. You, well, there, was, there was gun companies. Mm-hmm. All right. There was a guy named Bill Jordan that sold camouflage. Okay. And there was a guy named Toxie Hayes that sold camouflage. And then we had a handful of companies that sold accessories. That's all there was. There wasn't this gigantic hunting industry. Mm-hmm. And almost every single person that says, uh, talks about the hunting industry, they're not in it. They're in the hunting community. Right. So I'm in both. Yeah. Well, you, you're in it. You get a paycheck for, right. for it. You, I, I think you're getting paid to do this, right? Uh, I mean, I like it, but I wouldn't do it for free. No. Okay. So there, you, <laughs> so there you go. You didn't just get a t-shirt, a hat, this and a This segment boat. brought to you by Vortex Optics. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, my, I guess my point is there's a lot of people that use this word hunting industry. Okay. That wouldn't, aren't in it aren't part of it. They're part of the hunting community. And that's part of the ignorance of it. And, and why are they saying it? Okay, well, why would they say that? I'm in the hunting industry. Or they use the words hunting industry. Why would they mm, use the uh, sound cool? I don't know. <gasps> yes. Because it sounds good. And it's- but I don't blame them. Like, if, like if you want to be in this industry and, you know, yes. I mean, there's a difference between uh, guiding spring shed hunts but hey look i'm not like i'm trying not to i'm not gonna go out there and like go tall poppy syndrome i'm not doing that cutting down all the other flowers so i can look better mm-hmm. that's not the point of this the point of it is that i don't care if that's what you do great let's not bash each other right okay and let's kind of be realistic about what we're talking about because what we do need is credible people speaking to others about what they do and their experiences. Mm-hmm. That's something that's needed. Which is hunting. not what Matt did, because when you say lease hunting is not hunting, that's what he said. Well, Those were his tacked, words. You tacked your own credibility. Yeah, I mean, I, he lo- that was like one of the first things out of the bag. And I was what, like, what, well, yeah, I mean, you lost me there, you know, dude. Matt, if you were as educated as you were passionate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, we're going to knock out our last break here. We'll come back and uh, keep the conversation rolling. That segment was brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, uh, which uh, they've got two locations, one in San Antonio and one in Marion, Texas. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. You're listening to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Now I'm on a green hand bus, rolling hot fast. 
Time to tell you about Protect products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, Energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is, They don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. Leonard Skinner bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. We've still got our good friend Corey Knowlton here in the studio. We'll get back into that discussion in just a sec. This segment, though, brought to you by the All Seasons Feeders Silverback Cargo Carrier. You know, summer vacation right around the corner. Maybe you're headed to the river or to the beach. Uh, Our family goes to Galveston every year. Uh, kind of our uh, annual summer vacation. But there are five of us, and there simply isn't enough room in the back of the pickup bed for uh, canopies, coolers, the kids' beach toys, chairs, my fishing rods, and who can forget cornhole, right? Uh, So I take that silver back. It's aluminum, by the way. Uh, Put it in the trailer hitch. Boom. Now I've got enough space. We're all comfortable and happy, and uh, and it's easy enough for you can do it by yourself. You don't need uh, two people. It's a one-man job. You can find the Silverback at allseasonsfeeders.com. Okay, let's get back into it with Corey Knowlton. I want to talk a little bit about American politicians influencing particularly Big Five conservation in Africa. And you were telling me about the um, six-year-old lion rule in Tanzania. And I imagine that didn't originate in Tanzania. It probably was pushed on them from people from where we we live. We're North Americans. Yes. So talk a little bit about that. Because I look at it as modern-day colonialism, and it just... It, well, well, you, the correct term would be neocolonialism. Hmm. We're going to say in our big, powerful country what um, what you and your little country should do. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you... And by the way, it's not what we do. It's, it, it, by, 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 by the way, it's not what we did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what we did do, and that I agree with this, in essence, if you're going to export knowledge and um, equipment and money 
all of the things it takes to change things for the better. Mm-hmm. We did come up with a conservation model that works. And I am all about exporting the Western conservation model, and which is sustainable use. Uh-huh. You can go down to those two words. And then when they actually do it, we're like, no, 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 actually, let's reconsider. Well, well then, then, then once it worked and we got everybody on, this is why America is not the best partner to have. I mean, can you imagine making a bunch of deals with the previous administration and now you have this guy here who's like, doesn't know if he's eating ice cream or a cucumber. Right. Okay. At least that's how it seems. Mm -hmm. So that, I I understand. Which is why the import import stuff seems to change overnight all the time. Well, so the six-year line rule was years and years ago, the, the idea was that as a hunting community, we're tired of seeing these younger lions getting killed and the optics of it are real bad, which I agree. The optics of it were not good. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was just a young, a lot of, oftentimes there were lions that were too young getting killed. So I understand that there was possibly a need for some self policing amongst the community. Okay. Main, a lot of the outfitters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, I get where it came from. It was very well intended. So they get together. I'm not going to name organizations or people, but they're organizations that we all know. And they come up with this idea and through NGOs, they propose it to government agencies. And this happened in Tanzania. It happened in other places, but Tanzania is the one we'll talk about. And they made it to where you had an, an, a, a, Lion had to be six years old to kill it. And if you killed a lion that wasn't six years old, then you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. The, the professional hunter could use his, lose his job. The trophy wouldn't get exported. All these draconian measures. Well, wouldn't it have been a good idea to come up with a good way to figure out if the lion was six years old or not first? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. They used a tooth aging method. Which you could get when the line was dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they used a tooth aging method. It wasn't the most accurate. Yeah. Okay. And it was independently verified to not be. Meaning we take the same tooth, we use the same method, and we have two different people do it, and we get different results. Mm-hmm. Right? And almost everybody different, you know, everybody came at it differently. It wasn't the best thing. And that's an oversimplification of what happened, but that's it. And then they would have these seminars to look at a lion and say, okay, well, that's an older lion. Really, if you really want to oversimplify it for the sake of this conversation, if the thing was really old, you can tell most cases. If the thing was not old, you could tell if it was young. Or if there are places in the wild where lions don't even reach six years old. That's the biggest disaster. Maybe that's the giant disaster of it all is they, because of this, A, the draconian measure, right? That Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my job if I screw up. (laughs) B, the, the the, the part that in addition to that, the hunter is suffering I've told him to shoot an animal. He paid $100,000 or more for this hunt, and that, that was the main animal. He doesn't get to take it home. He did what I said, mm-hmm. okay? So you have A, that's bad, B, that's bad. 
And then C, in the implementation, there were plenty of areas where there was especially a good population of lions that virtually none get to six years old. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you've eliminated management there. They decommercialized vast amounts of land for hunting. And they're gone. I mean, it's gone now. It's gone. Mm -hmm. All right? Hunters did this. So that's why I'm saying these self-policing measures, as a community, we got to be really, really honest with ourselves. What are we hoping to achieve and doing this? How does that help us achieve that? Maybe we can learn from that when we're thinking about it. No, it, it's in, it's in, 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 uh, now look, the way they, we well, can still at learn it, from it. The we're way talking about it, right at it now, may have like, changed, yeah. but now you, if we, if we eliminate it, you're diffusing a bomb now after it's gone off yeah. and how, what kind of sense does that make? I mean, so the, the, this is just one. The other, the other thing, and man, I hate, I hate to say this. I'm just going to say it. And, and, and we'll, let's rewind to the, the summer of Trump 2015. I think all, I think most conservative people were finding that to be somewhat of a refreshing voice compared to the people we'd had in, in the past. Would that be accurate? Uh, yeah. Okay. A lot of us. Okay. Felt this way. As it became closer to time that he was going to, have a chance to be elected i think a lot of people in the hunting community and you can all ask yourselves this did you feel like this was going to be better i i knew it was going to be better and it was better not for the international hunting president trump single-handedly kept elephants from coming in well i didn't get my bontabuck back i'll tell you okay that. It wasn't oh, better. I, I'm looking at it okay, more hold through, on, hold on, hold through on, the I'm lens. I'm not attacking of... him for anything other than this. I'm not defending Trump. Okay, 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 here's, what, here's what I'm saying. It wasn't better. All right? For hunting here it, in the United in States, In the United it States, better. it was better. Yeah. Okay, I'm Just not going to take that I mean, away. Biden's taken away our I, I said it for international hunting. Right. Okay. And, 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 and let me be real clear there. Here in the United States, it was better. Thank you. Uh -huh. For the international thing, which probably five out of 100 listeners care about, I no, I don't think don't or, say or, care. Or, or, okay, Probably no, participate. Five, five participate in, and yeah. there's a larger point that care about it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. Well, how about this? It actually affects. All right. Mm -hmm. In the in as the tip of the spear. <laughs> they were they they felt 100. percent They had an emotional reaction to this type of hunting, as much as his children took place in it. Okay. Right. So then we had a person as our president who was, even though it was perfectly legal, if somebody issued that permit, they felt like they were going to get fired. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these permits weren't issued. It took us as the hunting community suing them, which in the past people did not want to do. They just didn't. If you go back, I mean, it was easy to say I want to sue Obama. It's easy to say I want to sue Jimmy Carter or I want to sue the person that's opposite. It's really hard to go out there and want to sue President Bush or Donald Trump when you feel their views are aligned with you. I mean, yeah. for, for, for instance, if, if they agree with you, I think almost every rational person would say, oh, hey, on seven out of ten issues, or eight out of ten, or nine out of ten issues. I think you could say I, six I, out of ten. Yeah, six out of ten issues. I, you know, that's a friend over there. Yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to sue their friend. Okay. And this is what 
led us to where we are at with it. And for years of it, we're just not going to mess with them because we're getting so many things that we we want. So Trump didn't, and he didn't enact these policies. He just didn't reverse them, which we no, no, we, no. He he enacted this policy. It had already been reversed. Okay. He would not allow the elephant to come into the United States. Uh-huh. Period. No elephant. His words were: Google oh, there it. certain places, Google certain it. Google it. A horror show. Huh. Okay. So this yeah, happened. his son has whacked. I'm sure a handful of elephants. <laughs> well, it, it, whether he has or hasn't, it, it doesn't matter. My The thing was, it goes back to what we're saying in the passionate part. President Trump, where is he from? Manhattan. Okay. What would his experiences in the, in the outdoors have been besides golf? Probably not any. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he so, went so, fishing So once. there you go. And I, and I explained that. And what was President Trump's previous party? Democrat. So you're saying that all of a sudden, the day he did this, everything that he believed was gone? Right. Okay. Yeah. That n- now we're seeing what that was, and I warned people about it. I said, "Look, man, I'm all for this happening. I certainly didn't want Hillary Clinton. No, nobody did. Okay. And if Trump <laughs> runs against Biden, we're going to vote for yeah, Trump again. So, so, so I certainly didn't want Hil- Hillary Clinton. But this wasn't really good. So again, it goes to the importance of credible people." speaking and every one of us can be that well the the current administration if i understand it correctly is trying to make it where they're not banning the importation of some of the big five elephants uh they're just they're just doing away with the job of the person that actually <laughs> does the <laughs> right, right. Well, what, what they're doing yeah they're, the, the, the bureaucracy <laughs> is of such that we're too busy to do it we're no we're no longer funding that it, position. it's happening really slowly yeah all right. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not happening. It's happening real slowly. So th- those are the, those are just kind of educational things that are happening. And don't take my word for it. I am taking your word for it. Um, I, I w- that's why you're here because yeah, you, yeah, yeah, your but, knowledge but on I, this I, I, is I, I, more <laughs> so than just about anyone on the planet. Um, let me ask you this though, in the same topic, but say when you first started out booking international hunts all over the world, mm-hmm. if there was a an idea that that hunter who's paying X number of thousands of dollars to hunt that species couldn't get his animal back in a timely manner. You just didn't book it, the it, hunt. It, yeah, right? it, it pretty much ended it unless you were like a very big collector. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now today, in 2023, because I have a Bonta buck sitting in South Africa somewhere, which I knew when I shot it, there was a chance I wouldn't get it back. But you know what? It didn't deter me. I still shot it. I was like, I'll get it back someday. Has that mindset changed? Yes. And is that a good thing? Yes. It's, I think it's a great thing. I think that generation, especially, you know, I hate to lump you in there, but especially this millennial. I'm not, say, uh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm the tail end of Yeah, uh, you can say what you want, but people your age, <laughs> how about this? People, people our age and younger, we can even put the, the gen, gen Xers in there, okay? Uh-huh. They are or we are value experiences far more than the previous generation other than outside of possession mm-hmm. we're more likely to spend money on experiences and you you can that's evidenced by look how popular travel and such posts are on social media 
Right. All right. Being in a location, they value this experience a lot more. So the experience and hunting of itself is more valuable to them than actually saying I have X in my hands. All right. So in a way it's almost a little bit less covetous, even though you could, they may covet the experience more of the object. Right. Right. So that's been an amazing boon for us in our, in our community. Because there's a guy over here who say, hey, man, let's just say for they're, they're working on hippo. Really right. want to end the hippo right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I know. Yeah. I've actually contemplated shooting one in South Africa. And they're like, well, you could get, we could get you one, but it would be a non-export right, right, permit. Right. So, so they're working which, on which, hippo. Which, to be honest with you, I'm okay with. I don't they're, care. Yeah. So, so if we don't participate mm-hmm. and we allow the bureaucrats, neo-colonial bureaucrats in the United States to dictate to these small countries what they're going to allow us to do. And you're going to use that to keep you from going. You're allowing that bureaucratic system to actually win. Right. It's, it's working. What 100%. they're wanting to do is working. So you got to ask yourself this. These are my dollars. These are what they are. Do I want to do this or do I not? And the answer now more than ever is I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been good for us. You've killed a polar bear. Yes. Couldn't didn't bring it home. So you were ahead of that curve. I, I, well, I, yeah, absolutely. I've been, I've been there my whole life. I knew it was the, I, I saw the writing on the wall long, long ago. Yeah. And so. When did they, when did they make that illegal? Just out of curiosity to, to import. Uh, polar bear? Oh man. Kind of about the the beginning or of the last decade or the end of the one right before right around that period of time so you know i i mean in the mid 2000s you could bring it back mm-hmm. i didn't shoot mine until 2014 and you couldn't right so i mean you could google it and see the exact date what how has taxidermy affected that because you you know you've seen you go to the the big hunting trade shows like i do and you can you can get a replica of your polar bear made. You can Absolutely. get a replica that, that of polar an bear replica thing was unbelievable to me. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, they were they were really cool. I mean, so yeah, you can still do that. And do you like, think that look, look, plays look, look, into the cur- equation. Cur- well, currently, we are allowed to import two elephants a year. Okay, per person. Per person. I'll have to live a long time to get all my <laughs> elephants back. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, so so, yeah. I, I, to say I was ahead of the curve, <laughs> yeah, this is a, the true statement. I've been. I've. That was one of the freaking originators of the you're curve. The, you're the OG. Yeah, you play, of, for uh, sure. I, I may have not been the OG, but I knew him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's that's a positive thing that it has changed that mindset and that people value experience over saying, "Hey, look, I have this ivory in my hand in my house." Right. Yeah, I mean, in a per- in a perfect world, it wouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. But these are the things. Most of these issues, guys, most of them for all of us originate within our community. I've said it over and over again. One of the one uh, one of the greatest advocates, probably the greatest possible advocate that we've ever had in hunting on a legal uh, on the legal front is. John Jackson, okay, 
he put together a thing called Conservation Force, him and his wife, Chrissy. Please Google it. Please look into it. And John knows more about these fights. He's forgotten more than the second person who knows this will ever know. Forgotten more about it than that person will ever know. And he told me years ago, after debating Wayne Pacelli, who was the head of HSUS, and at the time the biggest enemy we had. In yeah, of course. Okay. He was around when I started out the show. Yeah, okay. So he, after debating it, him and Wayne had a had like a, I wouldn't say, they had a very friendly relationship. They weren't friends, but they could speak to each other even though they were on the, outside of the, the mm -hmm. other side of the issues, right? He said they were talking, and they had just done a debate, and John felt like he had just smashed him, okay? So at the end of it, him and Wayne spoke, and he said, John, you know, I'm never going to be able to end hunting here in the United States. It's just too ingrained in the culture. And he said, but you know what? I'm not going to have to because you're going to do it for me. Mm. Mm. So Wayne couldn't have been more right. And I, I don't want to go through example by example and wear everybody out with it, but it, trust me, it's happened, and it continues to happen. I'll give you an example right here in Texas, Texans for Mountain Lions. Hey, uh, we don't want you – ultimately, we all know the, the goal isn't for an organization like that who has people who – Pam Hart is on their, their founding board, right. right? She has financed her and her husband – financed a film for Project Coyote, which just was a smear campaign against coyote hunting, coyote uh, predator tournaments. tournaments. She paid for that. And that woman is on your board, and you don't think that she's anti-predator hunting? <laughs> like, the end game for Texans from Outlines is to ban mountain lion hunting in Texas. There's no other... There's no other way to look at it. That's the only lens. That is the but end is, game. It, but it's is, a death by a thousand that, cuts. Is that what they're saying, or are they a false flag? Or, or, or is, Dude, that, is it a false what, flag thing, or is it is it covert, or is it overt? It's covert. And okay. they're well-organized, and they're well-funded. So I'm just saying, right here in Texas, it is coming. It is, it's been brought. The fight has been brought to us. Do you want to have mountain lion management like they do in California, where it's protected, and you see mountain lions on people's porches ripping you know, dogs out of the Hollywood Hills. Uh, personally, no, I don't want that. Uh, but nothing would make them. Well, happier. these are these are these are in in, in essence true anti hunters. But they'll tell you they're not because they shoot a deer every year and put okay, it in the freezer. Okay, that's fine, and and I get it. But to me, but but this is different than what I'm talking about. But where I'm going with it is that I'm a hunter, but and you're talking about us. I'm just saying I'm a hunter, and I'm screwing us. Okay, and, and 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 I'm doing it either ignorant or I know what I'm doing, right? They're they, doing they know, it well. They're they, planning. They know it out. what they're doing. Yes. Okay. Which is why the, I the hate that I'm a hunter we, butt crowd, and them, I don't give them any credo well, whatsoever. Well, who started it? Who? I mean, let's say who the not who started it. Who's the biggest ones? Can you say? Do you want to say? I don't. Well, there's one that comes to mind. I don't know, and he's been on the show many times. I don't think he personally because he'll post pictures. Like we'll just say. Steve Ranella, for instance. Steve Ranella posts pictures of dead, trapped animals. He's not anti-trapping. Steve Ranella, I know, owns an AR. I, didn't, I used to think maybe he didn't own one. I know for a fact he was hunted somewhere, asked if he could bring his AR, which almost surprised me. But the people that worked for him, a lot of them vote blue. A lot of them. The majority. Mm -hmm. A lot of BHA people. 
vote blue. And I'm looking at Biden last week trying to close 100,000 acres of federal land to recreational shooting, which is an attack on hunting and more so on underhanded attack on the Second Amendment. How do we limit participation? Well, by locking you out of acreage that you own and making it more expensive. And how does the NGO get to get to become the voice of the hunter? So, because that's what's happening. So what I'm saying, they're, they're, you're saying BHA, whoever the advocacy bunch, they don't, their interest isn't aligned with that, the, the hunter. And they're going to say, we are the voice of the hunter. We want to recruit hunters, but we want the and, hunters to say, but well, we don't like trapping they're, or they're, we don't like predator hunting. There's two sides of what you're saying. Nikolai Ceausescu, Romanian, mm. communist, loved hunting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. His deal was he just wanted to be the only one doing it. Yeah. Okay. These guys, Pam, whoever, she may really love deer hunting and love shooting her deer. She doesn't. Her okay, husband threw way. a fit. Okay, either way. Whatever. When a deer got shot on their ranch. Oh, okay. okay. whoever. Threw a fit. There's people out here that don't have the same political views as you that will shoot a deer. Mm-hmm. All right. They just want the other stuff more. So, so, but what my, what my point is, is that as our community, we need to, we need to understand and do our best to educate ourselves before we implement policy. Okay. But what I'm going to say is the I'm a hunter but crowd are the ones that are trying to kill us from the inside. Like you're saying no, we're no, all no. Yeah, yeah. We're all that's, a beating, false flag, that's a false flag operation. We're all beating our heads against the wall in, against each other, like undermining our own way of life, right? But I'm saying it's that segment. The way that they vote because – Okay, Trump really screwed up the import process. He did. You just outlined that for us. Well, in certain, almost ways, in certain ways, not totally. But okay, yeah, go ahead. But what these people do is vote for because, dude, all the anti-hunting and anti-gun legislation is introduced by one political party. And and I am and, and I am saying right now in 2023, more so than ever, hunting is no longer a bipartisan thing, in my opinion. Like it is. It is a well. I mean, I think you could look at the numbers and say that yes, the vast, vast majority of people that hunt are, would be aligned with a conservative use. Well, so are these people just like, eh, if they take it away, I don't really care. I'll go play golf. Is that their mindset? Like, I don't. I just don't. For me and you, it's a way of life. So it doesn't. It's not, it's not going to be the same because, like I said, it's going to be a bigger fight now due to the fact that people are so passionate about it. But are those people as passionate? No, the the ones that are are. Yeah. Okay. Now, those, like are, Matt Ranella said on the airwaves that, that well, I, I once voted for an anti-leg hold trap in Montana. Like, and I don't think anyone should own an AR. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like, are you are you really are you really are we really the same? Well, those people are we on are, the same th- team? Th- those Matt? people are out there. There's no doubt about it. I agree. They're out there. Yes. I even said what do you your brother. Me to post, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I, I said your brother posts pictures of him and your nephew with the dead beaver that they trapped together. And I look at that and I think that's pretty awesome. Just like when Henry shot his first Turkey this spring. As far as Matt goes, that wasn't worth a damn because it was on private land and you paid to be there. That's true. That was basically a weekend lease, which he thinks is terrible. Yeah. Lord forbid the person that owns this land, get any benefit from having turkeys on it other than uh, getting Matt asking them for permission. You know what else they have on that property? That's an ocelot preserve. Go figure. Yeah, yeah who, who would have believed? Who could have An ocelot preserve where you can't even go into because it's fenced off because they're so into ocelot conservation that they don't even want you in there. And they do all kinds of well, look, research hey, look, and stuff. Hey, look, there's 
there's enough land for that too. But that's all in the same ranch. But yeah, I, he I thinks get it. that it's bad. Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, exactly. Mm. There you go. But we both know that private land wildlife management often is way better and way more hands-on than anything. That well, occurs how about on public this? Land. All you, everyone out here who's who is applying for hunts in the West to dream to hunt on some be- great place. In almost every circumstance, the land that's on an Indian reservation and managed by them, or the land that's managed privately. Mm-hmm by and large, is far better. I've been there on all these governor's tag hunts. Arizona elk, Arizona deer, deer, okay, um, Montana sheep, all of it. In Arizona, you are hunting those bulls often coming in and out of Indian or in and out of a park. Mm. It's because it's managed for hunter opportunity, not for trophy size, by and large. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that uh, places where you either can't hunt or where they manage for quality animals would produce bigger bulls? <laughs> Imagine that. As we're wrapping up, Corey, give me your three all-time favorite hunting books. Well, can I throw a fishing book in? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Top three. Sure, you can throw a fish. We, I love. We all love fishing, right? We just don't love it as much as hunting. Uh, that might be blasphemous to my father. If you're listening, Dad, sorry, didn't mean it, but. Uh, you know, I was raised fishing, not so much hunting, and then I found hunting in my early 20s there, and was like, now nah, I'm just going to go fishing when there's nothing to hunt. And I still love it. I'll go on a destination uh, fishing trip and the, a drop of a hat. You the, go to... Yeah, freaking, I'm about to leave on one now. Yeah. So, I, yeah, The Old Man in the Sea, that's my favorite one about the outdoor. The Old Man in the Sea, okay. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it, 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 it doesn't hurt that the guy who wrote it's good at riding. Right. And also owned a 577 Wesley Richards, okay, <laughs> which he put in his gun safe right next to a six five pre Yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. But so, so that um, I I've always been a big fan of the the destination books. I got a big collection of like Asian hunting books. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, it's just because I I like the idea of what they it was like kind of the guy versus this, and they and they were ab- absolutely expeditions. I like a lot of the trailing the giant panda. Hmm. Okay. I read that. Yeah. That's, that's the two Roosevelt's that were actually kind of my favorite Roosevelt's for his kids Uh far more than him. Okay. Especially Kermit. Kermit was a serious hunter. Was he the one that got killed in world war two? No, well, that was Ted Jr. So Teddy Sr. and Ted Jr. were one, two of our, in our history, father and son pairs that one received the Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ted Jr. for uh, when they invaded on the beach, he reorganized it, but he 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 died of a heart attack, a heart attack not long after that, mm. and they they gave him the Medal of Honor for what he did. All right, he really really earned it. It was an amazing thing, and he fought to be there. He was older and walking with a cane, I believe. But anyway, Trailing the Giant Panda is a cool book because they go in to, to go look for panda to, for the Smithsonian. And I learned a lot about the way they did things from that book and the way I look at hunting because they were going, in, in, in essence, they were collecting. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the experience was something they did together. Kermit really was the main organizer and Ted wanted to go on the trips with him and then east of the sun west of the moon 
that's another they did together mm-hmm. trip to Asia. Both those are cool books because it's it has to do with American history. It may be a little bit dry reading, but it has to do with American history and the hunt and the international hunter. And the, that was kind of at the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the panda, it's so funny. Like you, you read it, it was like basically they, they felt like there was hardly any pandas then. Really? Yeah, it was. It wasn't easy for them. And they were using those antiquated, antiquated firearms and they would both shoot at stuff at the same time because, you know, bad bullets, bad, whatever they wanted when they had worked so hard to get those opportunities and the, and, and the firearm was the weakest point. Mm-hmm. So they would just both shoot mm-hmm. a lot of times. So any, in, anyway, those are cool books that I like. Um, I'll give you my favorite. What is it? It is Jim Corbett's Omnibus. Which he was a um, a famous that, that, uh, big cat hunter that was ba- basically employed by Indian. That's probably governments. my favorite hunting book is the Man Eaters of Kumon. Yeah, oh, and now I that you mentioned it, it, yeah, I have it autographed by him and his hunting partner in my house. Nice. So, nice. yeah, that's a good one. But he so he killed all these cats throughout his career, and then towards the end of it, really became aware of like, I'm killing these man eaters, but we can't sustainably just keep hunting these cats to you know, the brink of extinction. And then he kind of became an advocate for, let's at least think about management. Well, it's one of the rare instances where the person who was involved in sustainable use conservation has his name on the national park. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He has a national park named after him in India. Yeah. So we don't often get the credit because a lot of us that are involved in it don't want it. Right. And in the rare occasion that he does get the credit, it's nice to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he did. Yeah. It's a great book. And I recommend just getting the uh, Omnibus because it has all of his. You like the uh, the man eaters of, uh, what was it? Come uh, on. Come on. Yes. But there's probably 20 different short books in there. And you know what we should do? And you should talk to SCI. Mm-hmm. And and have them contact and have them get that gun back over for everybody to see. His Rigby, yeah. it's neat. G- go on the Rigby page and check it out. What caliber? It's two. I think it's two seventy five Rigby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right on. Well, Corey, I appreciate it as always, my friend. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for stuff. having me. Good luck in Africa. And where are you going fishing? I'm not saying. <laughs> Are you going where the fish are at? Are you going fly fishing? Um, yeah, both. Okay, both types of fishing. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm not using dynamite. Yeah. Well, good luck I on your it. on your adventure. Thank All right. you very much, bud. Stay safe. So there he goes, the six five meme master, the granddaddy of Creed Nation himself, Corey Knowlton. Uh, always love our conversations uh, because you know. As, uh, as much fun as we have, I still learn something every time, multiple things when we sit down and visit because Corey has such vast experience in international hunting. And while um, I think well, I'm about to head off for trip number six to South Africa, essentially as soon as the show <laughs> ends, I think I can catch Henry's soccer game and then I'm hopping on that plane to, uh, what am I flying this time? I think on Emirates. So we'll be going through Dubai. Anyway. Uh, there's another thing you can you can learn from folks who've been there and done that is, hey, which route should I take to South Africa? What's the best way to get to the Dark Continent? Um, but yeah, like he said, we're as passionate as we've ever been. 
as a hunting community, but also the most ignorant. So you owe it to yourself to try to not fall into that category, right? And I think that's what we should all strive to do is to become more knowledgeable on the things that we love, uh, i.e. hunting, conservation, uh, fishing, all that good stuff. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Armasite and the 640 Contractor. It just showed up at my house. I know, I know, sucks to be me. Uh, but I already had the 320 Contractor. The 640, it's like, well, it's, it's the 320 on steroids. <laughs> you want to talk about a badass thermal optic. Uh, multiple color palettes, um, four-hour battery life. Uh, what else? Um, oh, yeah. Internal recording, of course, all that good stuff. It's the Armasite 640 contractor, and you can find it at armasite.com. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Gotta go, gotta get out of here. Thanks to Corey. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, you all have a great week in the outdoors. Well,